Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Welcome back to Vice and Easy. After an incredibly dark and traumatic episode last week, let's go in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> Let me read you the synopsis for the episode we are covering this week. This week, we're, of course, covering Season 2, Episode 8, entitled Tale of the Goat. Here is the plot summary, plot synopsis from IMDb. Crockett and Tubbs escort a coffin containing a criminal to his final Miami resting place, dot, 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 until it's learned that he has risen from the dead and has a similar zombie fate scheduled for Tubbs. And yes, they really mean it. Our actually, our opening scene is seeing this coffin wheeled around on the tarmac at the Miami International Airport. Crockett and Tubbs talking to the security guard, customs agent, what have you, whoever is in charge of this body. Because <laughs> Crockett wants to make one thing very certain. What do you say we open her up? <laughs> Be my guest, pal. What's that for? Proof. Say cheese, pal. And you'll definitely recognize the face in that coffin. That is Clarence Williams III. We'll talk about him a little bit more in Vice T, late actor who's been in a million things. I recognized him best from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. But let's get back to Miami Vice. So as they were talking a little bit in the intro, Crockett is basically giving a rundown of who this guy is. As we're mentioning, Clarence Williams III, this episode, he is Legba, who is a man of, maybe let's call him a renaissance man, (laughs) voodoo priest, drug dealer, criminal mastermind, human trafficker. He just wears a lot of different hats in 1980s Miami. And Crockett is mentioning about these gangs that pretend to be zombies in order to scare people back in Haiti. And that actually, Legba, this gentleman, brought them to Miami. Then, just to make sure he's dead dead, they go to spy on his funeral. Please go look. I'm not trying to make fun of funerals, but... My boyfriend did mention how fake the headstones look, and it is true. The more you see it, there is a cross headstone with a little cross on the inside. No name, no date, nothing. (laughs) And so while they're doing recon as this funeral procession is getting underway, Tubbs notices a very beautiful woman. And in true Miami Vice fashion, she wouldn't be a love interest if she wasn't somehow involved with the criminal mastermind in question. What a lovely lady. Easy there, Romeo. Easy does it. That's Marie Sanserique, like his former sweetie. She's gorgeous. Mm, mm, mm. And I'm going to play one more clip from this scene because I want you to hear the song that they're playing during this funeral procession. I'm sure the music department was so much happier to find and source the music for this week compared to last week with the plot theme of last week. So I could tell they're having fun with this. And of course, because this is a Miami Vice cold open, 
this funeral is going to get out of hand very quickly. We see a gentleman. We're going to talk a little bit more about him and where we see him from in later scenes. We get a better look at him. Takes Marie, puts her into a baby blue Mercedes, which is a beautiful car, by the way. It's in, like, pristine condition. Then a guy in a motorbike comes by, shoots up the casket. You can't see his face. His face is completely esconded by his helmet. Then we open up the casket. Again, Crockett's already opened up this exact same casket, took a photo. One more time, we're going to open up this casket. And what do we have here but a goat head? Prompting one of the mourners to say what we're all thinking. Zombie. As we leave the funeral and actually open up on the episode, we see Legba, the same guy Crockett took a photo of in his casket, lying down on this very interesting zebra skin covered table. And he's alive. He has risen. The photo of him that I have included in the gallery is that photo of him on the zebra blanket, question mark, with the credits because there's a little Coco. And you'll see who little Coco is in this episode, but I just was like, wow, that is a great stage name for the ages. So as we, the audience, know that Legba is alive, Crockett, Tubbs, Castillo, and another gentleman who I believe is from the forensics team or maybe from the morgue, he kept seeing, he kept saying the lab, like the boys at the lab. So not sure what he is, but he has to know something about dead and undead people. They don't know what's going on. They're completely perplexed, but he gives Crockett Tubbs Castillo a pretty good explanation. No, there's a poison, tetrodotoxin. It's found in certain Caribbean fish. It causes death by paralysis, but if you survive the first 48 hours, you're usually okay. Oh, wait, wait. You're telling me that if someone wanted to appear as if they were dead, they could take some of this toxin and... And revive in two days. It's possible. He also mentions that the risk for brain damage naturally is pretty high when taking this poison. This also reminded me of Romeo and Juliet. I was like, wait, I've heard about this before way back in the day. And then I also want to get a little bit superficial. I really loved Sunny's somewhat see-through sweater. It reminds me of this. It does remind me of two incredibly impractical sweaters I have that are full of holes and made of synthetic material. So I'm glad that Sunny and I have something in common. This expert also lets us know that some voodoo priests do use this particular poison in voodoo ceremonies. Then they hear a little bit more about the background. They want to go check out this guy named Romulus. What a name. <laughs> Unfortunately, he does not have a brother named Remus. But yes, we're going to go follow Romulus. And we're doing some very stylish surveillance outside of their house. I got a good pick of them through the binoculars of Romulus talking to Marie. And if you recognize him, you'll not only recognize him from Miami Vice, he played Leon in the pilot, you'll recognize him from Forrest Gump where he was Bubba. It took me a couple watches of this episode to get that. And pretty much Bubba and Lieutenant Dan are the only things I liked about Forrest Gump. So carrying on with this episode, let's not get into that rant that I'm going to go on. 
Marie doesn't really want anything to do with him, walks off while our boy Romulus and one of his hired goons... Hired goons? ...drive off in the baby blue Mercedes that I keep mentioning. And we cut scene and open with the sleaziest dressed used car salesman you can imagine filming a commercial. Please stop what you're doing and go to the gallery right now to see what is written on the windows of these cars. French and sexy. (laughs) And then hot and sassy on a Corvette. I love that so much. I'm going to definitely try to make that into a meme. And speaking of sleazy used car salesmen, let's learn a little bit more about this gentleman. Bobby Profile, Mr. All Night Movie. The man would buy time in your dreams if he could. So Crockett Tubbs are doing surveillance. Okay, this is where it's hard to suspend disbelief. Again, they're sitting in a Ferrari, not that far away from a used car dealership, where the sleaziest dealer they know or that they've heard of or they've seen on TV is on the lot. Wouldn't they attract some attention? Like, I understand that Ferraris are everywhere in South Beach, but if there was one just, like, parked outside with two guys looking at me, maybe he's just completely oblivious to it. But then, so Romulus comes to the dealership, goes inside. They proceed to then talk about quote-unquote business while Romulus opens up a briefcase full of cash and they launder it or do whatever they will with it without closing the blinds or putting the curtain down. Again, I I know I'm being a little bit too much like comic book guy. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Maybe we just live in such a heightened surveillance age now that I would just be quite proactive and making sure that nobody could see if I was doing anything illegal. So maybe, I guess, this is 1984. We didn't really have things like ring cameras or cell phone cameras or whatnot to worry about. We'd have to worry about someone actually staked out in front of our place of residence or business, actively taking photos with a large camera that you could hear click every time. So maybe that's why they just weren't thinking about it. But let's check in with Legba. Legba, naturally, as we saw him when he first kind of woke up from the dead, not doing too hot. He looks a little bit better. They seem to ease up on the makeup that's four shades light, too light for his skin. I noticed that when we first popped it on him. It was like kind of this like weird cakey makeup. Obviously, to make him look somewhat undead. I get that this is fiction. So as he's kind of hobbling towards this shanty town, he impeccably dressed in all white with one crutch helping him as he's limping along the way and holding on to dear life throughout the entire episode is this cigarette holder that I'm very much enthralled with which I've taken lots of photos of so he's there he wants to get back and get one of his former associates back into his good graces once we see him go to the shack in this shanty town we see naturally who little Coco is. It is a little person actor who is coming back into the fold. And he, for one, is surprised to see Legba because, like we all did, he thought Legba was dead. I walk with the living and the dead as I see fit. And after that weird speech that would completely terrify me if that were my former boss coming to recruit me back into the fold 
So we have a feeling that something's going to happen. We cut to, of course, a party slash festival slash spiritual what have you. Legba knows exactly what's going on with Romulus. Not only is Romulus putting moves on his woman, he hypothesized that Romulus is also taking some of his money and putting it in places it shouldn't be. So he has a plan to get Romulus at this party we see them all pull up, walk by this look teenager-looking guy. He doesn't look like a teenager, but he looks quite young, playing, I believe it's Galaga. I might be wrong in that. I have to double-check my picture. Leon and his cronies do look impeccable, though. Lots of skinny ties, lots of jewel tones. So while this party is going on, and while Romulus is walking towards his pretty obvious fate at this point, Croc and Tubbs are outside doing surveillance, and they're still perplexed as to what really happened with Legba. Maybe somebody misplaced his corpse so they could run around town selling voodoo equipment to chumps like Silvio Romulus. I think it's just another scam, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you just keep right on thinking, pal. Someday you'll get good at it. <laughs> and then so while they're outside doing surveillance, Romulus, in a surprise to nobody, meets his fate after he's called to Legba. Legba naturally pissed off that he's making moves not only on his money, but on his woman. Strangles him while the rest of his goons take care of the rest of Romulus's goons. Our boy, little Coco, uses that axe right into the back of one of Romulus's cronies. So then Crockett and Tubbs, a little while later, see Legba limp out of this venue called Voodoo. And obviously, Crockett turns in the car. They start driving towards the walkway. They see another guy pop out. Tubbs yells at Crockett to get his attention. And then Legba just disappears. So now Crockett and Tubbs feel like they're taking crazy pills. One day they see him, the other day they don't. Photograph his dead body, see him in the walkway, completely disappeared. And again, this is a man who is limping. He's on crutches. How could he get away that fast? He couldn't have just run out of the way. Still perplexed, they head back to the precinct, talk to Castillo about their next steps, and they say that they want to pay a visit to Maria, get a little bit more information, see if she'll help them out. They go visit this beautiful house I've been talking about that's incredibly well lit because... Basically, it's all glass, windows, super tall. It's this gorgeous house. Now, with Marie, kind of trying to gauge where she stands, how loyal she is to Legba. This is where it gets a little bit more complicated. And she talks to Crockett and Tubbs about their history together. Oh, yeah, I know the story. That's how Legba got his start, by bringing Haitians into the country on boats that he owned. And weren't you lucky that he liked your looks? Because if he hadn't, the group you were with wouldn't have made it here in one piece. Do you have any idea how many Haitians bought passage from Legba and ended up washed up on our beaches around here with their throats cut? And it's at this time of filming the episode, October 1985, that things were worsening much more so in Haiti under baby doc and the already existing refugee crisis people fleeing this dictatorship 
was already getting worse and worse that would lead to Baby Doc fleeing the country in exile, only to return later in 2011. But I'll talk a little bit more on that. We have another Haitian-themed episode coming up in a few weeks. So I'll do a little bit more research on that and kind of bring out my old um, essays to give you a better understanding as to what was happening. But this was 100% a horrible situation and a complete brain drain on the country throughout both Papa Doc and Baby Doc's horrific, oppressive regime. So keep that in mind that Legba is completely taking advantage of this situation, human trafficking, being a coyote, all these things. So this is not a nice man that we're dealing with. And I had a hunch that she was kind of not playing dumb, but playing ignorant because similar to Silva in the last episode, Legba seems to have quite unnatural hold and obsession over her. And I assumed that he was listening in or had her place bugged. And of course, I was correct as Legba pops out of a doorway as Crockett and Tubbs make their way out. They do give her a number that they can that she can contact them at any time, any hour of the day. But here is what Legba has to say to Marie. Going somewhere? You did Ramulus wrong. He was most disloyal, mon petit. I will be returning soon to our native land. You will be coming with me. You never possess me. I won't be a part of this. 17 minutes in and I have not even commented on these accents. We get some really stiff acting and some really weird lines later on in the episode. So uh, let's just say, let's just enjoy it for what it is, shall we? Now we head back to OCB where Crockett, once again, pondering what's really going on here and questioning whether or not is all this real. So we asked the opinion of Pepe the custodian who has one of the best responses I've ever heard to religion. Believe in all this stuff. All this voodoo and zombies. Do you believe in the ocean? No matter if you do or you don't, if you step in it, for sure, you're gonna get wet. What a great quote. What a great response, right? That really does make you think. Whether or not you believe in something doesn't make it less believable to anybody else or doesn't take away its validity or its power from them. Interesting. Aside from that, while he's at OCB, he does receive a call from Marie from a payphone. She looks amazing in this scene, by the way. She is, again, wearing that similar shade of kind of like a bright turquoise. And while she's telling Crockett that Legba does plan to take her back on the Blackbird, back to Haiti, we do see little Coco, I'm sorry, I don't remember what his character's name is, waiting outside the payphone, obviously going to relay this information back to Legba. Speaking of Legba, what's Legba up to at this moment? I made a gift of this because it was so funny. Remember the commercial that Bobby Profile, the used car salesman who would buy, quote, or who would, quote, buy ad space in your dreams if he could. Well, his TV ad is playing, and guess who is not happy to see it? Legba pulls an Elvis, shoots the TV, (laughs) then defaces one of his vans with a symbol in pink paint. Bobby Profile knows he's in deep S-H-I-T at this moment. 
So Legba takes it one step further, calls Bobby Profile, tells him that he wants the $500,000 that he just got from Romulus to make things whole again in Legba's opinion. Bobby Profile, obviously a little bit nervous, shaky. Turns out he doesn't have that money anymore, but he might be able to get it back. He'll just need, you know, like some document signed signature from Legba, to which Legba responds. I wrote it on your vehicle. I wrote it on Romulus. Would you like me to write it on you? At this time, naturally, Crockett and Tubbs are doing surveillance, I believe, with Zito and Switek in the bug van, much more conspicuously parked away from the dealership behind a fence, not a Ferrari parked right in front of the dealership. <laughs> Maybe they, they took my advice 38 years later. <laughs> So, naturally, this does not end well for Bobby, as Crockett and Tubbs are going to, quote-unquote, do notes on what they heard. Someone comes by to visit Bobby Profile himself with a little message from Legba. What the hell is happening here? You're having a fire sale. That Emmy-winning acting. (laughs) Aside. That was the most wooden delivery I've ever heard. I'm going to play that. That's probably going to be the quote of the episode. Just because, like, I can't believe I just went through the final edit. Nobody wanted to take another take of that. Was that the best take he had? Oh, my God. So, obviously, they're there to send Bobby Profile a message. Bobby Profile knows. I don't know. I just like saying his full name. Bobby Profile knows that he's pretty much backed into a corner. What can he really do? He uh, took the wrong guy's money. And uh, this is the price he's going to pay for it. So he watches them take all the money out of his safe, walk out of the dealership as the briefcase with the bombs explodes. And that is the end of Bobby Profile and Profile Motors. And remember when Marie called Crockett asking for help and that she wanted to be safe from Legba? So it turns out the safe house of question that we're going to put her at that is the same fight as Dan. So she's there with Gina talking... A little bit more about Legba and his work as a high priest and that he likes the power. And it's at that time we see somebody swimming up in the water. It is a very muscular man in a Speedo and a knife. Jump out of the water, tries to attack them, says that Marie's been disloyal. I forget what the exact quote was. Let me see if I can find it. You have betrayed him. And so while Gina is fighting off this swimming assassin another guy intercepts maria she's running along the dock trying to be safe takes her back to legba and gina was able to push this guy off into the water again shoots at the water who knows how accurate those shots were but we see a little bit of movement and then that is the end of that so we're back again at the precinct and they talk about possibility that Legba will do one last ceremony. And in the previous scene, I didn't play it all because there's just a lot of information that obviously is setting up for the next scene, where Marie was basically giving the entire spiel to Gina, saying how one can join and that it's not really a scam. Legba actually really enjoys the power aspect of it, and that it's something very real. That these ceremonies always take place in quote a sanctuary. They always take place in different locations outside of the city limits. 
so hypothesizing that Legba's going to do one last ceremony before he go back, goes back to Haiti, Tubbs wants to go try to infiltrate, try to get closer to Maria. Naturally, the vice squad is conflicted as to whether or not this is a good idea. You want to crash the ceremony? Why not? You won't be able to touch him. Well, maybe I can get to Marie. If we can get to Marie, that means that Leg was not leaving. And you're taking this whole thing way too light. <laughs> this isn't like sneaking into the drive-in. This is a sacred religious ceremony to these people. And if they make you for an outsider, you don't know what they're going to do. And what are they going to do? Cast a spell on me? You don't get it, do you, Rico? You cannot dissect this with your intellect, pal. Because it isn't rational, it isn't logical. If you go in there thinking you got all the angles, man, you are underestimating the situation. Oh, yeah? Yeah, voodoo, right. Voodoo is only effective to the oppressed, poor, and uneducated folks who can't get past the hocus pocus. You know that we're all alone now for burglary tomorrow. There wouldn't be any backup. You'll be on your own. I can handle this. I can handle it. So it's decided. Tubbs is going to go. And Castillo and Crockett are going to watch over him. Castillo comes to him, to Crockett, at the end of the, the discussion. It's a great shot where you see Castillo's profile. And he softly whispers, I guess he softly speaks, not whispers, into Crockett's ear to take care of him. And of course, being Tubbs' partner, you know Crockett's going to be there. Cut scene to Tubbs looking impeccably dressed, waiting to get to this ceremony. I want to say it's a Panama hat. I need to actually do a little bit more research before I misname hats. But however, Tubbs is looking impeccably dressed. Him and Crockett exchange a little bit of words of support. Crockett's going to watch out for him. There is a GPS tracker, which is going to come into play in just a minute or two. Once Tubbs is finally able to get to the meeting point where he's going to be taken off into a truck to go to the ceremony, Tubbs is going to make sure he's going to get the full experience, bribes the guy in question in this next scene. Do you think you like that? I have a slight problem with my hands. Everything seems to slip through them. <laughs> the Loire will improve your fortunes, fellow. You're going to feel power tonight. Merci beaucoup. As Tubbs hops onto the truck, we see him slyly place the old school GPS tracker onto the back of the truck, and we see the lights light up on Crockett's main component, main tracker. So we know that Crockett is going to try to stay as close to him as possible. And then the trucks are off. Cue Don't Turn Back by Red Rider, very much a CanCon song that I definitely recognized <laughs> from my teenage years. And we are off. Where we are going, we don't know. But we do see Crockett make a left turn, passing by Marina Incorporated. I, for one, highly support this, I'm sure, now shuttered business. But I did take a picture, of course, me being me, of Marina Inc. and the sign in question. However, during this scene, Crockett unfortunately loses track of Rico when the GPS tracker falls off the truck. And when Crockett is finally able to get to the tracker, it's in a road in the middle of nowhere. 
the party has begun. The ceremony has begun. There's a guy <laughs> dancing in a sailor suit with a giant snake, which I made a gif of. Legba is seemingly almost passed out in this very comfortable looking wicker chair as these beautiful people in these intricate costumes are dancing. Tubbs is trying to get closer to Marie. He does, as we see him succeed in the gallery. Legba also notices. Since Tubbs has already bribed his way in to make sure he gets the full experience, we know this does not bode well for Tubbs. In the next scene, Legba and his, once again, his henchmen, or hired goons, if you will. Hired goons? And this is where it all goes south. Legba takes his time to let it be known that he and Tubbs have something in common. Don't be stupid, you gotta stop! I, too, was with the police in Haiti. When I paid the bribes in American money, I will be a policeman again. Yeah, not surprised at all to hear that in 1980s Haiti, that it would be that corrupt. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of things don't change. And the power, of the, um, the power of the American dollar abroad has also not changed. Now, while at this time, while Tubbs is tripping balls and going under, Tubbs is frantically trying to get a hold of Gina. He's able to talk to her, trying to figure out where they can track Tubbs. Again, keep in mind that because this venue could be anywhere. It could be a private estate. So they're really racking their brain going back and forth. I did take a great gif of Crockett frustrated with his car phone, looking incredibly handsome in a textured blue top and gray blazer, the same one that he was wearing at the precinct. Gina is able to get a lead on an estate that this ceremony might be taking place in. So at least they have something to work with. And it's as this time that this is happening that Tubbs is going deeper and deeper into his hallucination. And we cut scene and the next morning, Tubbs and the entire squad's on scene at this gorgeous estate. It's a little bit run down and it seems to be incredibly windy, incredibly stormy. And Tubbs is nowhere to be found. Crockett is able to locate the jacket that Tubbs was wearing as you saw him at the last, the checkout point, the intersection, what have you, and orders the whole team to look at every single nook, cranny, crevice. It's Zito who notices a body lying face down in an empty pool covered with fronds and sticks and what have you. It is Tubbs. They're able to get in the hospital and at the hospital, he is still reeling from the effects of this, as you can hear in this next scene. Blackbird, blackbird, she floats. If you Blackbirds. So the song playing while Tubbs is still hallucinating while he's in the hospital is Flesh by Todd Rundgren. And this hospital is actually matching Crockett's jacket. You can see in the gallery, it's like this soft, I don't want to say sky blue, but maybe like a very soft turquoise. 
And unfortunately for Crockett, as Tubbs continues to hallucinate, he sees Marie, he sees little Coco, I'm sorry, I forget his character's name. Then he sees Legba standing right in front of him, reaches out, grabs him and pulls him in. Unfortunately, in real life, that is Crockett. Crockett, being the amazing partner and friend that he is, is able to calm Tubbs down a little bit. And luckily, Tubbs is going to be okay, despite being injected with this poison. And now in the next scene, it is down. They're finally going to take Legba down. They go down to Blackbird. Zito and Switek see an RV being pulled behind and make a little wisecrack. What do you suppose is in the RV, Lair? I don't know. Dirty money and dirty goats. Ah, the sweet comic relief of Zito and Switek. And this, on the Blackbird, is where they see Legba standing with his cane, actually, going off but Tubbs still kind of reeling with the after effects, still kind of having a little bit of hallucinations, but he is able to shoot like the misses. His aim isn't that great. Gets him in the leg. So <laughs> it takes a few other bullets to finally get him down. And he is shot, falls off the edge of the bow. But in this shot that I took a picture of in the gallery, it looks as though he jumped off because his back is facing towards the boat and his arms are up. So it does look it's kind of a scenic shot, but it does look like he jumped over. Maybe again to pose a mystery as to whether or not he'll survive. Who knows? But one thing that Tubbs realizes is that even though him and Marie were taken together to Legba, Legba might have actually not killed Marie. And this all comes to him in this next clip. He had his back to me all the time. He didn't kill her. And as he realized this, he runs into the freighter, if you will, and starts looking. He's trying to find out where she is, where she is. He finds kind of like a big step and is able to pull it up. It turns out like it's kind of um, like a fake step or a false step. And he finds her underneath asleep. But then when he gets close to her and checks her pulse, her eyes do open and the episode ends. You're safe now, Marie. That's the end of the episode. And I do promise I am a woman of my words. I will dig up some of my old essays and give you a proper overview of just how bad the Duvalier regime was in Haiti and how it does play in with the plot lines of not only this episode, but an upcoming episode. I believe it's bought and paid for, which is coming up in just an episode or two. So I do promise to have more detailed research. You know, I don't really like to do things just like half-assed. Uh, you know, this was part of my undergraduate study, so I want to make sure I'm giving you the best picture I can. But since we already had a depressing episode last week, let's keep it a little bit fluffier for this one. <laughs> let's get into music. Now we open up the song at the ceremony, sorry, the song at the funeral, Phantom Living <laughs> by The Fix. That might just be my song of the episode just for its thematic value of how everything played out and the theme of zombies and this poison that knocks people out for a few days makes them appear to be dead and then come back to life. So I want to say Phantom Living is going to be the winner. And I thought I did have a clip of Can't Turn Back by Red Rider. I swear I did grab a clip of it, but I can't find it. However, uh, anyone who grew up in Canada and listened to classic rock radio will know that song pretty well. 
And the other songs on this episode, we have Transformation by Nina Hendricks. And then, of course, we are closing out with the hospital song, which was Flesh by Todd Rundgren. So overall, I want to say like a good 8 out of 10 for thematic music this episode. Not really huge top 40 hits, but fitting with the theme of this episode. Now, let's get to fashion. Fashion! Wild card, as it should come as no surprise, is going to go to the man himself. No, not Legba, but Little Coco. <laughs> Pulling off every outfit in this episode. Gotta hand it to him. Now, when I was trying to do a little bit of research, that was his one and only IMDb credit was this episode. Other runners-up notable mentions include Tubbs waiting at the intersection to be brought to the ceremony, Legba throughout the entire episode for his cigarette holder alone. And Crockett not only matching the hospital walls, but Crockett on the car phone at night looking impossibly handsome with the pepper, like the salt and pepper gray blazer with the blue textured shirt. So all in all, very fun episode. Oh, you know what? Maybe my second wild card vote will go to the guy with the snake. I'll see. I'll see what I feel like when I actually finish at the gallery and post it because little Coco pulled off some amazing looks this episode. All right, so the Vice T for this episode really runs the gamut where everyone else kind of seems pretty chill, pretty normal, all around nice guy to wild. And I don't know if I need to put an age restriction on this uh, on this episode. So let's start with Clarence Williams III, uh, recently passed away in 2021. Overall, I cannot find anything bad about him on the internet, which is what I love to read. You'll know him from I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. You'll know him from Twin Peaks. You'll know him from Hill Street Blues. You'll know him from The Mod Squad. Somehow he also had a credit on The Littlest Hobo, which very CanCon. None of you Americans will let know what I'm talking about at all. But basically it was our Canadian version of Lassie, where it was this cute little dog that helped people in trouble. So to have a name like him on it was a little bit surprising when I was going through his IMDb. But overall, very esteemed actor. Nothing but good things were said about him. Oh, I almost forgot. This is his, my favorite credits that I could find him on IMDb. He was in two Ja Rule videos, one with Ashanti, one with Charlie Baltimore, Baltimore Charlie. <laughs> down Ass Chick and Down For You. I'm going to find these on YouTube. That is amazing. Seems like a wonderful, fun man all around. Now let's get to our familiar face, McKelty Williamson. Oh, I'm not pronouncing that right. Oh, I think I am. What IMDb needs to have is, you know, like when you search a word on Google and it will show you the dictionary entry and it will actually have the speaker button that you can press to see how the word is pronounced because that's a huge problem of mine. Um, someone did make a tweet that it means that you have to be very smart to not know how certain words are pronounced because it means that you've read them and not heard them or used them in everyday language. But with names, it would be very, very, very helpful. Now, you'll recognize him, like I mentioned on earlier in the episode, he was Leon in the pilot. And I guess he bulked up came back to Miami Vice because I did not even recognize him. So there is the gold of Michael Mann casting when you can't even recognize that it's the same guy. But of course, super notable as Bubba in Forrest Gump. And then naturally, like the Miami Vice universe, he was also on Hill Street Blue, The Love Boat, and more recently, Justified 24 and Law and Order Organized Crime. So it seems like he's had a very prolific career. And again, nothing bad I could find with him on the internet. Now 
let's talk about someone for whom that is not the case. When I was doing a little bit of research in this episode, and for other episodes, I've also noticed that, unfortunately, a very sad trend I've noticed is that many of the guest stars had passed at quite an early age, and you can see, unfortunately, the effects that the HIV-AIDS epidemic really had on the world at large and especially within the entertainment community and it's incredibly sad to see these really short obituaries you know people 35 40 and this was the case when i was researching ray sharkey but then when i did a little bit of digger deep digger deeping he had struggled on and off with heroin addiction unfortunately and was diagnosed as HIV positive and received his HIV positive diagnosis. Then I read that he continued to engage with his sexual partners, estimates look at about a hundred partners after he had received his HIV diagnosis. Three women ended up suing him while he was alive and his state after he had passed. But let's wrap up this episode as I give you a little bit of comic relief. What the hell is happening here? You're having a fire sale. <laughs> That's exactly what I needed to cleanse my palate of like this this news. Last week's episode, oh, I just needed that little bit of comic relief with that Emmy Award winning acting and delivery. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Vice and Easy podcast. You can find me wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also like, subscribe, so you never miss an episode, including bonus episodes, of which I am planning a few more. You can also find me on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Vice and Easy Podcast. All things social. Thank you again, listening, liking, commenting, telling your friends, leaving me amazing reviews. Every little bit helps, and it really does keep me going, because remember, it's just me and a microphone, so every little bit counts. Thank you once again for listening this week and for listening next week. And as always, hey man, Miami Wise is number one, your show.